Hi friends, how are you doing? I hope you're in good health and secure. Um, I know I've been missing a, a couple of days uh, delivering videos. Um, I know we've gotten accustomed to doing them day to day, even twice a day. Um, but uh, I am... I am doing work, just so you know. <laughs> uh, the uh, second volume of Buddhism Reference is really uh, taking shape. It's uh, well over 300 pages now. Uh, because, as I've told you before, and this quick update, uh, I'm, I'm including a lot of terminology now that goes more into the foundations of Buddhism. In other words, uh, earlier teachings that uh, the Lotus Sutra, which is the ultimate teaching, is built upon. And sometimes seeing the way uh, a certain concept or teaching, like the 3,000 realms or uh, anatman, uh, you know, uh, impermanence and so forth, that are not... Uh, in Nichiren, uh, the 3,000 realms is discussed quite a lot, but um, there's not an extremely deep dive into the history of how you know, this came about out of the Lotus Sutra and, and uh, Shakyamuni's teachings. So... Uh, for instance, Nichiren drops names a lot of times from Nagarjuna to Tendai, of course, a, a huge influence in his uh, enlightenment and doctrine, um, as well as Dengyo and Miaolo and um, uh, even Vasubandhu, he mentions several times. But not a lot is discussed about those things, especially if you've been with previously groups and organizations that... Uh, keep you in the narrow focus of the Lotus Sutra as though the entirety of Buddhism is in that one sutra. Um, it is captured as the ultimate teaching. In Myoho Rengekyo, we learn that the entirety of Shakyamuni's teachings are encapsulated in each of those characters, yes. Certainly the 69,384 characters of the Lotus Sutra, right? Um, but if you're anything like me... Uh, I sometimes get little uh, bouts of um, uh, skepticism, and uh, I wonder, you know, what, what, who is this guy Vasubandhu? What did he actually say? Um, and believe me, the, this second volume of uh, Buddhism Reference isn't meant to do a hugely deep dive into any of those topics because we'd end up reading the 84,000 teachings of Shakyamuni, right? However, uh, I have included them in the volume, and I've put a pretty lengthy uh, biography. Uh, they're the, the documents that they're credited with creating, uh, their, their own trajectory through their uh, uh, belief systems and, and uh, writings and, and evolution, right? Because everybody has an arc, right? Uh, one thing about Vasubandhu that I found fascinating is that he was born in Gandhara. And Gandhara is something I've talked about in, uh, in recent uh, years. Here's a book about it. Um, Gandhara was a, uh, a site of a great deal of many language translations of the uh, orally transmitted uh, teachings of Shakyamuni. Yeah. So, um, I thought, you know, those little connections are meaningful. They're, they're interesting. And they, and they connect for us 
you know, 3,000 years worth of scholarship, which I think has value as well. Anyway, uh, it may not be something that fascinates you, but as a reference, I thought, you know, it was important to have a decent attempt at rounding out, you know, where, seeing where these, uh, the consciousnesses come from, the skandhas come from, how this built over time, yeah? Uh, in the biography or the definition uh, or the inclusion, the section of Vasubandhu, a lot of that is answered. Nagarjuna's in there, Tendai's in there, uh, Saicho, Dengyo, yeah? So, um, yeah, that is filling the book out quite a bit more. So the volume two is going to turn out to be more of a um, an in-depth study guide, whereas volume one, or the first volume, it's not labeled volume one, um, more our contemporary terminologies and language that affects our current understanding, Nietzsche's doctrine, how to uh, have confidence in our modern practice. But volume two is no less that same function. It's just that it goes deeper into um, the foundations, as I say, you know, the earlier teachings on which the lotus is built, right? Okay, so that's a little update on that. Let's get back into expedient devices, expedient means, skillful means, whatever you want to call it. Um, basically, uh, Shakyamuni talking about how he teaches, his methodology, yeah? Okay, a little sip here. Oh, and by the way, at some point soon, I may post a picture. Uh, we got a new dog. As you, most of you know, Chloe recently passed away, and uh, she's buried right on the other side of uh, uh, the, the altar here, outside. Um, this new one is a, a, a miniature poodle. Uh, she's so smart. She's only six weeks old, going on seven. Um, so she's a fresh puppy, and we're having a lot of fun with her. She's got a lot of energy. It's going to be a different very different experience than Chloe, but anyway, I'll share a picture with you. All right, at that time, the world honor one declared to Shariputra, since you have now thrice earnestly besought me, how can I not speak? Now listen with understanding and careful thought, for I will state it to you explicitly. Hmm? While he was speaking these words in the assembly, bhikshus, bhikshunis, Upasakas and Upasikas, to the number of 5,000, straightway rose from their seats and, doing obeisance to the Buddha, withdrew. Why in the world did they do that? For what reason? This group had deep and grave roots. They use the word sin here. Erroneous thoughts, errors in thought and overweening pride. They thought they knew it all. They didn't need to listen to you anymore. Isn't that ironic? Here is the preeminent, the first instantiation of a human being that has attained Buddha, enlightenment. And he's teaching. And you're voraciously learning for years these methods of understanding how the mind-body works, how to deal with the mind's vicissitudes, how to focus and concentrate so that at one point in the future, you can 
become liberated from what causes all your anxieties and sufferings. That's the goal, right? And here he is about to drop. This is it. This is the ultimate. Now I'm going to share with you how I did it, how all Buddhas did it. This is the most immediate, expeditious way for you to attain Buddha. And this group, they get up and go, thank you very much. Wonderful to see you again. Nice to see you in good health. We're out of here. I'm sure we're not going to learn anything new. Yeah, that's pretty freaking arrogant, don't you think? Wouldn't you just stick around just to hear in case? Because yeah, this, this is being, right, this so far, this is, this is being set up as something extremely important. Oh, but we don't need it. We know everything already. Oh, we've all known folks like that, right? Even our own moments of being that way. So they were, had erroneous thoughts, overweening pride, imagining themselves to have attained and to have borne witness to what they in fact had not. Having such faults as these, therefore, they did not stay. And the world-honored one, Shakyamuni, silent, did not restrain them. Why bother? <laughs> they're think they, they think they know what I haven't even taught yet. Wow. Bye. <laughs> right? By the way, you'll notice upasakas, upasikas, bhikshus, bhikshunis, these are very general terms, whereas in most translations, they just come out and say arhats or arhants, right? Which are bhikshus, bhikshunis, and uh, upasakas and upasikas, but they're of a certain level, and obviously they think they are of a certain level, that they don't have anything more to learn from the teacher. <laughs> okay. At that time, the Buddha declared to Shariputra, my assembly has no more branches and leaves. It has only firm fruit. Again, a very different translation than we've heard before, right? In H. Kern's translation, now that the trash is gone, <laughs> that's quite uh, much more, uh, I don't know, what would you say? A visceral statement? A much more, I don't know, disdainful statement? This sounds, uh, and, and you know, he's basically saying the same thing, but in, in such gentle terms, right? In other words, we've shaken loose all the loose matter that's going to fall from the the fruit trees, and now all we have is the fruit. So thank you for being, you know, the the fruit, the, the nurturing, the right, the pro the the great produce, where all the uh, ancillary stuff that is only important to the life of the tree, but uh, it's you know the season has changed, and now all we have is the fruit. It's a much kinder way to talk about it than. Now that the trash is gone, right? And even other translations, they say, well, now that, you know, the arrogance are gone or whatever. But here, very gentle. I've never read this, uh, this translation. Therefore, they did not stay. Having such faults as these, they did not stay. 
uh, didn't restrain them. My assembly has no branches leave, it has only fruit. Shariputra, it is just as well that such arrogant ones, okay, as these have withdrawn. Now, listen well, for I will teach, speak to you. Shariputra said, very well, world-honored one, for I am eager to hear. <laughs> I'm better. <laughs> anyway. The Buddha declared to Shariputra, a subtle dharma such as this, the Buddhas, the thus-come-ones, preach but occasionally, as the Adambara blossom appears but once in a while, by some account every 500 years, by the other accounts every 5,000 years, this thing doesn't blossom a whole lot. So when it blossoms, it's quite an event, Right? You should believe that in what uh, you should believe that in what the Buddha says, the words are not vain. I don't just talk to hear myself speak. Shariputra, the Buddhas preach the Dharma appropriately. Their purport is hard to understand. What is the reason? By resort to numberless devices and to various means, parables and phrases do I proclaim the dharmas. This dharma is not a thing that discursive or discriminatory reasoning can understand. Only Buddhas can know it. In other words, the experience of the dharma is the only way to really know the dharma. You can talk about it all day long, but all you can do is indicate and do as he's saying uh, he's done fables and devices, means, right, to inspire others to aspire to this experience. What is the reason that only Buddhas can know it? The Buddhas, the world-honored ones, for one great cause alone, appear in the world. The only reason for a Buddha to appear in this world is because that's the purpose of this life. To open the Buddha eye. You don't have to. You can just go through this life attached with avarice, greed, right? Manipulations to get more or avoid because it's all about possessions and things. Self and other. Always this duality which is a competition of sorts. And with that competition, somehow identifying some construction that we call a self and then try to imbue that self, whatever it is, as yet another permanent possession thing. This is why when I was a kid growing up, a very popular saying was, life sucks, then you die. The odd thing is religions took that mantle and said, yeah, this self is so important. How about if we make it never die? Or more appropriately, the uh, mortal coil, this body dies. But that self that we've created and imagined this whole lifetime, well, that, that remains permanent. <laughs> Maybe we can put that in a box and ship it into the future. 
I mean, it, it's, it's in the rhetoric of Buddhism as well because every religion in the world used this device to somehow make us feel better about life sucking so much. Oh, don't worry. When we're out of this one, we'll be in a better place. Come on. Oh, but that magical thinking is so appealing. It's so assuaging to our fears while we arduously suffer through this life. And Buddhism says, what? The only reason to be a human is to witness the amazing thing of not just being a human, but being able to witness the engine of life, the entirety of the cosmos. It's in. Have you ever seen the, the videos where they show a, a fetus and an embryo or a fetus in a womb? And they and they with you know little little tricks of video and photography uh, shift that image into a nebulae or or a galaxy. It's amazing. It's a it's a really without knowing it or maybe they did know it or the artist knew it in creating that the there's not just similarity but the 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 map of energy. That is the instantiation of the human life being no different than the instantiation of stars, planets, entire systems. It's what we are. It's an amazing insight. And in Buddhism, we really, really, really get that. That every atom, every every piece of energy and, and modality and tendency that exists in your body and apparatus to create this mind, this sentience, is no different from the same exact process. Not only the same exact process, but the exact same stuff that's been here for billions and billions of years. And will return to that compendium of stuff when we die it's energy it doesn't go away it just changes form but it has no label on it that says Bob, Ted, Alice, Sylvain Mustafa that's, that's part of that fake construction of the self that's a that's a provisional little airy bubble that we entertain ourselves with. The real real is constantly in momentum, right? It doesn't stay still moment to moment to moment to moment. So, the Buddhas, the world-honored ones, for one great cause alone appear in the world. Well, that's it. That is the enlightenment of all living beings. Understand why you're here. And if you understand why you're here, then life, whatever it throws at you, at you it's, it's not a big deal. It's entertaining in a way. It's fascinating. It's amazing. Because in the scope of the engine of life, what is there to stress about or be anxious about? Everything's a fascination. Everything is a new instantiation of potential. Look at potential go. Wow. 
See, it's a paradigm shift in our thinking, in our perceptions, in our cognitives. Hmm? So instead of living constantly to satiate the five lower consciousnesses, the skandhas, which is fun and entertaining as well, the problem is how we invest identification and self in those skandhas. Not the skandhas, we keep them, right? You remember the videos I've done on the nine consciousnesses? I show the triangle moving through time. I, I have uh, uh, little cheat sheets or whatever I call them, little diagrams on threefoldlotus.com. You can look up on nine consciousnesses. When that Buddha eye opens, that ninth consciousness wraps around all the other eight. They don't get discarded. They're just cleansed. How are they cleansed? Cleansed of our voracious appetite for ownership and possession. They become liberated as experience. Even more amazing, right? What if you're, and I use this example because it's throughout history, uh, you know, even in uh, well, ancient times, I've heard nirvana talked about as being like a sexual orgasm. Well, what if every thought of conquest, accomplishment, ownership, uh, ego was removed from orgasm, but in doing so, the state of orgasm would be multiplied a thousandfold as a contemporaneous experience of cosmic proportion. Can you even fathom what an orgasm like that would be like? This is just a, a tool I'm giving you to consider what a paradigm shift could do to every samsaric event in life if it was divorced from, detached from, all of the samsaric attachment and collection and possession, right? the craving and clinging. Hmm? That should be reason enough. So Buddhism, ultimately, is how to live this life that you have right now to its fullest. That's what I mean when I say that, not, not just sexual uh, orgasm, but to experience life on a level that is free of the encumbrances of the ego, the identified bag of Bob, box of Betty, right? The Buddhas, the world-honored ones, appear in the world because they wish to cause the beings to hear the Buddha's knowledge and insight and thus enable them to gain purity. Purity meaning liberation from that which defiles us. What defiles us? This illusion of ego and all these conditions we put around everything we experience to be permanent, to be owned, to be possessions to get more of, right? They appear in the world because they wish to demonstrate the Buddha's knowledge and insight 
to the beings. They appear in the world because they wish to cause the beings to understand. They appear in the world because they wish to cause the beings to enter into the path of the Buddha's knowledge and insight. Shariputra, this is the one great cause for which the Buddhas appear in the world. The Buddha declared to Shariputra, the Buddhas, the thus come ones, teach the Bodhisattvas merely that whatever they do is for one purpose, namely to demonstrate and make intelligible the Buddha's knowledge and insight to the being. Shariputra, the thus come one by resort to the one Buddha vehicle alone, preaches the Dharma to the beings. There's one way to do this, one ultimate way. There are no other vehicles, whether two or three. And that's a reference to Sharvaka, Prachaka Buddha, Arhant, right? Those were all preparatory. Those were all teaching the direction in which you should center and get a hold of your mind and your experience. Now, as bodhisattvas, he's given us our mission statement right there. Shariputra, the dharmas of the Buddhas in the ten directions are also of this sort. In other words, don't look to other stories of, and all these other Buddhas are his emanations, his imaginary personifications, right? So it's all about Shakyamuni. It's all about Buddha-ness. Shakyamuni is just the one vehicle for all of us to understand how to do this for ourselves. Shariputra, the Buddhas of the past, by resort to incalculable and numberless devices, and to various means, parables, and phrases proclaim the dharmas to the beings. Now, you might hear that as saying, well, there he is. He's saying that there's all these different ways of teaching it. But you'd be hearing that wrong. Yes, he's saying there's all different ways of teaching it, not because they're different teachings, but because they're different means, tools, reaching What's the, the opening sutra? Immeasurable, innumerable meanings. Speaking to the minds of sentient beings. We're all, you know, 99.9% .9 the same. Man or woman, there's very little difference between us unless you get physical. But mentally, we have different tendencies and conditions, but that's mostly wrapped around our physical aspects. Mentally, we're all very, very similar. And yet, we all have individual tendencies and conditions that vary. We experience things slightly differently. We have different reference points. The older we get, the more little filters we build, right? It's part of that samsaric problem. But ultimately, and this is what he's saying here, we're all going to the same place, Buddhahood. It's the one, many in body, one in mind, Itai Doshin. Hmm? 
These beings hearing the Dharma from the Buddhas all attain thoroughly to knowledge of all modes. Right? Shariputra, future Buddhas shall come into the world. They, then they too, by resorting to incalculable and numberless devices and to various means, parables and phrases, shall proclaim the dharmas to the beings. Just as I and you are doing right here and now, using language, uh, uh, analogies, stories that reflect our insights and influences and sharing them with one another. How you hear what I say is how you hear what I say. And you can inculcate that into your own insights and share it with others. Innumerable meanings. You see? These dharmas shall all be directed toward the one Buddha vehicle. These beings, hearing the dharma from the Buddhas, shall all attain thoroughly the knowledge of all modes. Now, when he says hearing from the Buddhas, is he saying that these mythical floating beings on lotus uh, uh, pedestals will teach? No, he's saying the multiple Buddhas is you and I. Because the Buddhas are in the mind. It's a mental experience. And he's talking to bodhisattvas because the bodhisattvas are in the unique position of experiencing the Buddha mind. That is our goal. And with that open eye of purity, clarity, understanding, remaining phys in the physical world can communicate this Buddha-ness to other beings. So that Buddha in your mind, in my mind, is leading us to the insights we certainly achieve and those insights we use to spread the access to Buddha for others. Those Buddhas, the Buddhas we achieve in our minds. Hmm? Does that make sense? Shariputra, the Buddhas, the world-honored ones, and the incalculable hundreds of thousands of myriads of millions of Buddha lands in the ten directions of present time have many beings whom they benefit and put at their ease. He's saying it again in another way. All of us have Buddha in us. It is inherent in what we are, in our momentum. Our karma has Buddha. Every one of the 3,000 realms in a single thought moment has Buddhas. It is that which we want to experience and share. It's that simple. These Buddhas also, by resort to incalculable and num numberless devices and to various means, parables and phrases, proclaim the dharmas to the beings. These dharmas... Uh, this is a formula of propagation, right? These dharmas are all directed toward the one Buddha vehicle, Myohurengekyo. This Buddha vehicle. These beings, hearing the dharma from the Buddhas, shall all attain thoroughly the knowledge of all modes. Shariputra, these Buddhas teach the Bodhisattvas merely because they wish to demonstrate the Buddha's knowledge and insight to the beings 
because they wish to enlighten the beings with the Buddha's knowledge and insight, because they wish to cause the beings to enter into the Buddha's knowledge and insight. Right? Every one of them. Shariputra, I too am like this. No, duh. <laughs> Knowing that the beings have various desires and objects to which their thoughts are profoundly attached, samsara, following their basic natures by resort to the expedient power of various means, parables, and phrases, I teach the Dharma to them in a way that they will receive it, gain insight from it. Those are the various, right? Shariputra, I do this only in order that they may gain the one Buddha vehicle and knowledge of all modes. Shariputra, in the worlds of the ten directions, there are not even two vehicles. How much less can there be three? Exclamation point. Shariput, it, it kind of negates all of these other teachings. Where do where those arhats go? And, and there are arhats still in the audience. There's just a certain set of them just got up, thought they were better, and left. Point made, yeah? Shariputra, the Buddhas come into an evil world stained with the five defilements, to wit, the defilement of the kalpa, the defilement of the agonies, the defilement of the beings, the defilement of views, and the defilement of lifespan. When the kalpa is... Now, basically, he's just defined... And maybe I should put that... I'm going to mark that. I might put that in volume two. It wouldn't be a bad idea, would it? Okay, back on track, sorry. When the cop, and that's basically a description of samsara. Okay? The five defilements, you can al align with the skandhas. That's not what, what he's saying directly, but it would align with the, the delusions that we use those consciousnesses for, yeah? We'll find out. I'll get into it. When the kalpa is in chaos, when time is in chaos, the time experienced as a human being. Shariputra, the stains of beings run deep. And with greed and envy, they complete unwholesome roots. Right? He's basically explaining the Four Noble Truths again and again. All life sucks. Why does it suck? It's because of the way you're experiencing it. You don't need to do that. But removing the motivations, the tendencies, the conditions, that moment by moment you keep reinforcing so that you can see the truth, that's no small feat. Therefore, the Buddhas, with their expedient powers, make distinctions in the one Buddha vehicle and speak of the three, Shariputra, if a disciple of mine, thinking himself an arahant or a Buddha, 
Neither has heard nor knows of these matters that the Buddhas, the thus come ones, teach to the Bodhisattvas alone. Wow. He is no disciple of the Buddha. Wow. I'm going to read that again. Because, you know, all of the teachings prior to the Lotus Sutra have hammered on the Hinayana, the Agama, the, the, the earlier, the Shravakas, the Prachakabuddhas, the Arahants, as people of incorrigible disbelief, of Ichantikas. They have scorched the seeds of Buddhahood. They'll never attain Buddhahood. So that might be what motivated those earlier people from, uh, to leave, thinking, well, he thinks we're scorched and we'll never attain it, but we know we can, we know we have. This is the argument going back and forth. But what, what Shakyamuni was identifying is that they think too highly of themselves. They think, in other words, that they've reached a pinnacle of enlightenment, but only in samsaric terms. They're still beholden to a self, though they think they aren't. The language you might say is, well, my self is completely cleansed. Well, if it was completely cleansed, it wouldn't be. Do you see the, the conundrum there? So they've been railed on by Shakyamuni for decades. And he makes the point again here in the Lotus Sutra. He says, if a disciple of mine, thinking himself an Arahant or Pratyakabuddha, neither has heard nor knows of these matters that the Buddhas, thus come ones, uh, 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 teach to bodhisattvas alone. In other words, if you're not reaching the level of bodhisattva, if, you're not, if your goal isn't what I'm defining as the bodhisattva's goal, the true teaching that I'm laying down here, you're not even hearing it. You don't even know. And if you leave, you certainly won't. Now remember, this is the beginning of the Lotus Sutra. That's going to change later, but it's a rather ominous thing he's saying. Basically, that the only way you're going to attain enlightenment is to pursue the Bodhisattva path. All other are vehicle. Hmm? All other previous vehicles, they were just to get you prepared to do this. They weren't an end in themselves or a success or a totality in themselves. So he's busy laying that down at, to every degree that he can, yeah? If such bhikshus or bhikshunis say to themselves, quote, I have already attained arhatva. This is my last body. I have perfected nirvana, end quote. And if they resolve, then they resolve to, no further to seek anuttara samyak sambodai, which is in volume two, by the way. Be it known that this lot are all persons of overweening pride. And what could be more self-like than to have pride? 
Right? It's like I tell you guys, I'm proud of you for your hard work and your, your practice, but I'm not making you prideful. I hope you're not hearing it that way. What I am is filled with appreciation for your efforts. See how language is slippery, though. What is the reason that a bhikshu who had truly attained arharva should not believe this dharma? This is impossible, except when, after a Buddha's passage into extinction, no Buddha is present to challenge them, right? What is the reason after the Buddha's passage into extinction, persons who receive, keep, read, recite, and understand these teachings, like this one, shall be hard to find? If they encounter other Buddhas, they shall then get decisive instruction concerning this Dharma. In other words, if bodhisattvas carrying on with the Buddha way, the Buddha path, can share their insights with these people, then they'll, they'll get there. But unless they know to do that or seek them out, they'll never get there. Shariputra, you must all single-mindedly believe, understand, receive, and keep the Buddha's words, for in the word of the Buddha's, the thus-come-ones, there is nothing either vain or arbitrary. There are no other vehicles. There is only the one Buddha vehicle. He's preparing to lay it down, the Lotus Sutra, the Myoho Dengekyo, yes? At that time, the world-honored one, wishing to restate this meaning, proclaimed Gathas, saying, where are we time-wise? Okay, as, as has been often the case, um, I'm going to pause here and uh, leave the Gathas for the next video where he'll restate everything he said. It's a long one. Restate everything he's already said. But I don't know about you, but sometimes the Gathas in their concise repetition, they seem to be uh, more clear. That's just me. I don't know about you. Um, let me know in the comments what you think. I, I, the Gathas, for me, often have uh, more granularity in what he's saying. There's little, uh, what do they call them, Easter eggs? I hate to use them, but anyway, that's a common term we have, in, especially in technology now or in social media or uh, products, you know, that there's uh, little surprises that we didn't expect with uh, whether it's software or a car or whatever. There's little hidden gems that aren't talked about uh, except consumer to consumer, right? Um, but I find that in the gathas, often there's a more complete yet concise version of his teachings. And oftentimes the verse, the gatha sections are longer than the written out discourse sections, yeah? So it's, it, anyway, that's something that I've noticed. And uh, although 
you know, you may be more comfortable with the discourse section. There's, it seems to be more, more stumbling of language in the translations there. But, um, and one final note, uh, I'm really fascinated that this Leon Hurwitz translation has used such uh, really different rhetoric to say the same thing. It's all in there, though. Um, anyway, I hope you're enjoying this, and it's useful to you, because that's the whole purpose of this resource. In saying that, a quick reminder, like and subscribe. It's a very powerful influence to the, the algorithms so that we can get these resources to more people. Lists of links to the vastness of the resource in, in free podcasts, free information, threefoldlowest.com, bookstore, so on, all in the description. So please avail yourself to, to that compendium of stuff. Every one of us learns differently. Sometimes uh, going and downloading a PDF of one or two or four pages and reading through it is um, uh, more nurture, something we can reread and reread and even use in discussions with others. Uh, sometimes it's just sharing the video with others and talking about it. Uh, some of us work really well with podcasts while we're doing other things. Uh, I like to focus, but you know, we all work differently is what I'm saying. So I'm trying to provide every kind of resource I can to help build your confidence that you know what you're doing and that you're doing it excellently. And that, that's what makes me well up with gratitude and appreciation for your practice. That's what I mean. When I say I'm proud, I, I, that word is a little problematic. I probably shouldn't use it, but just want you to understand what I mean when I say it. In the meantime, be nice to yourself. Take care of your health. Yeah. Be kind, and I'll see you in the next one. All right? We'll continue this Leon Hurwitz translation of the Lotus Sutra. Bye for now.